0: Santa Barbara, California, Timeless Voyager Radio with Bruce Stephen Holmes, Self-Development Radio for the Open Mind. Interviews with leading-edge authors and speakers in the fields of Environmental Issues, Alternative Healthcare, New Psychology, Psychic Phenomena, UFOs, and extraterrestrial encounters. And now, Bruce Stephen Holmes for Timeless Voyager Radio. Let's see, my guest is Jack McLam in this hour. He is a retired police officer. Uh, He is certainly one of a new breed. He received more awards for outstanding service than any other officer in Arizona history. However, uh, it appears that he is not well-liked by the police department there any longer. Welcome to the show, Jack.
1: Bruce, it's so good to be with you tonight.
0: All right. Uh, tell our listeners what happened.
1: Well, it's a ten-year story, Bruce, but let me see if I can recap <laughs> it for you.
0: <laughs> well, basically, the the, uh, the issues, I guess, that you stood on, you stood tall on First and Fourth Amendment rights, and uh, uh, maybe you could just give people a little a rough idea.
1: Yes, it was... Um, uh, uh, problem, Bruce, was that when I went into the police academy, I was 32 years of age and all the young people in there were 20 and 21 years of age. And I immediately in 1976 began to see things and hear things going on in, in our police academies that that troubled me very much. Uh, I ha- knew about as much about being a police officer as most people did that watch cops and robbers shows on TV. That's all I knew about it. I'd been a, uh, in the military during the Vietnam War. I'd been a businessman for years, and a uh, turn of events ended up in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, came here to buy a business, but then that fell through and found myself without a job for the first time, so I went into uh, the police academy and... The, uh, the thing was, is Bruce, that I had a lot of life experience. So when we were told things in the police academy that I knew were not true, it began uh, my education at that point to try to discover why officers were being trained the way they were those days. For example, I, I would hear things as the uh, supervisors would come in, the management uh, uh, police officers, and they would say things like, you can't trust the citizens out there. You can't trust the citizens to help you if you never ever need help. Well, Bruce, you know, I didn't believe that because I was a, poli- or I was a citizen, and I always felt if, if something happened to a police officer that I would respond and help them. And uh, then uh, as the weeks went on, I heard other things like you're no longer a citizen, you're an entity of government, and you're on a higher level than the citizens to better supervise them for their own good and and just uh week after week we were getting indoctrinated uh, as much as educated and i looked around at these young impressionable minds bruce and i noticed that they had no problems with the things they were being told that that i just uh thought was actually separating us from the private citizens out there instead of in business, you know, the better you can communicate, the more empathy you have and understanding you have with the people you're communicating with, the better it is.
0: Now, now you, you developed a school prime uh, crime prevention and a safety program known as Officer Friendly, which Sears Roebuck uh, promoted nationally, and that was back in 1984, so you were already trying to, uh, to restructure how they were looking at the uh, basic citizenry.
1: Well, that was, uh, yes, that's right. That, that happened in 1979, 78, actually. The end of 78, I started that program, and Sears Roebuck Foundation liked it and made it a national program. But uh, I was beginning already to bring the police officer into the classroom and, and uh, closer to the citizens. Well, uh, that reduced crime and criminal damage and uh, a lot of better communications between police officers and children. Uh, But uh, there was some real problems with uh, the private citizen out there and the police officers communicating.
0: You know, uh, in 1984, Officer McLam was fired from the Phoenix Police Department for refusing to turn over his national mailing list of police officers and the financial records of his aid and abet police newsletter uh... it was a, an effort on his part to educate fellow officers regarding the constitutional and moral issues and uh... he stood by his first and fourth amendment rights and refused to turn over the records and he was immediately terminated for insubordination um, you have had your run-ins i guess with the uh... uh... powers that be
1: Absolutely, bruce uh, they uh don't want officers to think about certain things. They just want us to do what we're told to do. And uh, that can cause problems. We had a people uh, across the country meet with tragic results like uh, uh, Donald Scott in California, you know, when he was killed by police officers. Uh, uh, coming to the rescue of his wife in the kitchen who was screaming, Don't kill me, don't kill me, by a bunch of police officers in there. And Then we had the Gordon Call case where a 63-year-old farmer was set upon by federal agents and uh, executed in in, uh, Arkansas along with a brother sheriff of ours, Sheriff Gene Matthews, by federal agents. Then we've got uh, the Weaver case and the Waco case and on and on it goes and many others that people out there haven't heard of. So things are changing in America, and we're asking police officers to read their oath Bruce, That's what we're asking them to do, read the oath of office that they took to defend the Constitution and defend the people and their rights. Nothing in there says we're to de- de- uh, pr- protect the system from the people like we're trained to do today. So,
0: so, so basi- talk,
1: that kind of talk mm-hmm. and that kind of writing really doesn't uh, help your career potential.
0: Now, you have uh, re- recently published an expose entitled Vampire Killer 2000. Uh, it's a police action plan for stopping world government rule. Um, what does that mean, world government rule?
1: Well, uh, it's uh, I guess uh, George Bush uh, said back in 1991 or 92, I guess February 1992, at the UN building. He said it is the sacred principles enshrined in the UN Charter to which we will henceforth pledge our allegiance. So did George. So did. George Bush, who really introduced the American people to the world, uh, 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 the word New World Order, it's a uh, worldwide government, super rich over the super poor. And they're going to bring us a chicken in every pot, and we're going to be peaceful. Because you see, the UN is going to enforce peace. And if you're not peaceful, Bruce, uh, you know, peaceful. That's <laughs> so,
0: so the point you're making is we are literally being uh, hoodwinked into thinking that NATO is, is really an ally when in reality the word NATO is becoming worldwide government rule.
1: That's exactly what it is, and it's uh, well known today by many people that, that this is not going to be a, the pleasant thing that the Bushes and the uh, Peros and the uh, uh, Clintons want us to think it's going to be, this new world order because it's going to be a caste society, just like they had in Russia, where the uh, Politburo eats a lot better, lives a lot better than, than the people. Of course, the people won't know that. So this is an old story that people, men have tried to conquer the world since the beginning of time. And this time, they've got, uh, they got it well on the way and because they have control of the media for the most part. Uh, shows like yours, Bruce, are so important to exposing what the major media will not let the American people know. We're thrilled because my job for the last, uh, since 86, when I had to take a medical retirement for injuries suffered in the line of duty, has been to continue to educate my fellow officers and soldiers out there. And the work is going very well, Bruce. Like I said, thanks to people like yourself and many others that are are telling uh, the whole story uh, through the media that we have available to us, uh,
0: the New World Order uh, sounds like a great, uh, a great thing. It, uh, the words certainly uh, flow very nicely off the tongue, but it seems to be more, uh, or certainly more than we ever bargained for. Um, tell me, uh, officer or retired officer, what is the reception of Vampire Killer Two Thousand, and what is the basic uh, premise?
1: Well, it's been just absolutely amazing, Bruce, that uh, we we never expected to happen what's happened to us. Over 180,000 copies of Operation Vampire Killer out there now in the hands of police officers and soldiers and the private sector, and it's mo- it's moving on a geometric progression now because the new group that we formed that produced that document was Police Against the New World Order, and uh, uh, we, that group allows the citizens to copy that publication as long as they don't sell it. If they sell it, then we, that's, our one of, that's our only fundraiser is that manual, so we want them to purchase them off. But
0: okay, now what we'll do is... we them
1: so much, Bruce, that yeah. I don't know. We may have half a million copies out there now. We're not uh, sure. It's
0: great. Tell me, Jack, um, your thoughts about Waco, Texas... situation in Waco. Well,
1: as a a police officer, and having Bruce uh, communicated with hundreds of police officers since the Waco situation happened, it's disturbing to understand that in in the first place the warrant was not sufficient. They did not have probable cause to do what they did, uh, even to enter the premises on that warrant. It was a faulty warrant. Then the second thing that troubles us very much is four years before uh, the sheriff had had a uh, warrant to serve to go check all the weapons in the uh, 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 Mount Carmel there, and he had called up and said, hey, I've got a warrant, and he said, come on out. He put the coffee pot on, and they sat around, had coffee, gave all the guns to the sheriff, and the sheriff left Bruce, and returned all the guns. After he had checked them out to be sure they were all legal. Just a few years later, we have something called a dynamic entry. A cattle uh, car full of, uh, cattle trailer full of uh, federal agents go in uh, doing what we call a dynamic entry, which is going and busting out the windows and the doors, kicking in the doors and shooting as they run. It's very disturbing to see that people were not given the same opportunity that the sheriff gave them four years earlier to resolve this thing without violence. Uh, Today at the list of these people who have now the ones that were alive, remaining alive, and uh, sent to jail for 40 years, some of them, uh, on uh, charges of... uh, you know that that usually would get a person maybe five years at the maximum. Uh, you know it's it's incredible that this could happen in America.
0: And, and you believe that See this whistles. is, yeah. You believe this is because of the way that that uh, that um, well, first of all, officers are being trained, and that there is no thought now. No one uh, has any thoughts uh, dealing with right or wrong. Just uh, desk duty, duty as as. Uh, given out period
1: well it's uh it, it, it's it's deeper than that uh bruce what has happened is i remember sitting with police officers here or, or the late 70s and I, we watched uh east german police officers would shoot women and children climbing to freedom or attempting to climb to freedom and we were appalled bruce that these things could happen, that uh, that officers in any country could do that to their own countrymen. And today we're doing the same things here today.
0: Now, of course, we were lied to, or at least uh, many of us believe we were lied to, uh, when we were told that these people had already been killed by by themselves. They had yeah. killed each other. Yeah. And, and yet, uh, still to this day, there are those who are saying that literally it was a massacre.
1: Well... Uh, We we have strong feelings. The police officers, for example, in 1986, I took a team of 12 officers from nine different states to Arkansas to reinvestigate the death of a brother officer, Sheriff Gene Matthews, down there, who, according to the official federal reports, uh, Gene Matthews was killed to face shootout with a man named Gordon Call. And when I received the autopsy reports, I saw that both of these people were shot from the back. So I took a team of nine officers, or 12 officers, it turned out, because two of the Arkansas officers joined us. But there was officers from nine different states. One federal agent was with us. We reinvestigated. And we now know that both of these people were executed by federal officers.
0: You investigated the shooting and found that both the... uh officer involved, and also the person that they supposedly had a shootout with, both had been shot in the back.
1: Correct. As a matter of fact, our sheriff, Sheriff Gene Matthews, was shot with two different weapons. He was shot once with a shotgun blast to the back, Bruce, and then shot with a high-powered rifle from the back up underneath his vest, and a crack in his vest, and it uh, pierced his pulmonary artery, actually blew it up, and he died very, very rapidly, but alleged Gordon Call that was uh, in the building was already dead. In fact, we now have Dr. Uh, Thomas Noguchi, the pathologist of the STARS out in Hollywood, that we took uh, the alleged Gordon Call's body to him a year ago and he did a second autopsy and found out that the uh, had doused his body in accelerants to try to destroy the body after they executed him before before Sheriff Gene Matthews was even killed. So uh, we've got a very strong case, but we're having trouble getting it in any court in the nation. The Congress now, and we've uh, been there twice, and we've got interest, the same people investigating the uh, Vince Foster death and the Waco death is now very seriously looking into the Gordon Call, Sheriff Gene Matthews executions by the Fed. The problem, Bruce, is that we've changed our political system in America. Today, Bruce, a police officer, you know, the Founding Fathers gave us a system, Bruce, where if you wanted to protect the whole, you do it much different than we do it today. What I tell you today as a police officer, Bruce, if we want to protect the system or the whole, I'd say, Bruce, we may have to hurt you, buddy. It's not we don't like you. It's just that uh, if you get in the way of the system, we may have to hurt certain individuals to protect the whole, to protect the system. But the Founding Fathers told us, if you want to protect the whole Bruce, you protect everybody's rights. You protect Bruce's, you protect Jack's, you protect your wife, and in that in that Bruce, we protect the whole of society. So things have changed 180 degrees from what they used
0: to be. Let's take some calls. Uh, Justin, Portland, Oregon. Welcome to the show, Justin.
2: Uh, thank you. Um, I don't mean to change the subject, but earlier you were talking about the New World Order and uh You know, the bad parts about it, I I have come across a religion called the Baha'i Faith. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah. And uh, it talks about, um, I guess, the good parts of a new world order. Um, And I was really amazed when I started reading about it about five, six years ago, and then all of a sudden the war came about and Bush gets in front of the United Nations and talks about there's a new world order and uh, some of the writings of the baha'i faith is quite interesting um i don't know if there's this negative as you're talking about but the whole new world order is not exactly always a bad thing there's always going to be power groups that are going to take advantage of good things but i was just wondering if you had any comments on the baha'i faith
1: well i have some good friends that are baha'is and they're in the patriot movement with me fighting to stop the new world order because they they realize uh, these few anyway they're helping us that it's not going to be what what they think it'll be. Uh, however, we've got a uh, right here in the ninth district. Uh, we've got a uh, 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 judge who's uh, one of the highest Baha'is in the in the faith, and she's working very hard to bring on the new world order. And and what their belief is, according to my friends that are Baha'is, is that they these people believe that is going to set it up, but then the good is going to take it over. You're supposed to help the evil set it up so that the good people that can then come in and take it over. Well, that's a little spooky when we already have a system that our founding fathers uh, set up for us that, that works very well when you follow the plan. But we're not working the plan anymore, so it's not working the way it should.
2: I guess if you're talking about like unity in the world there it could be two kinds of way like in Nazi when the Nazis controlled Europe there was unity there, but you right. want that kind of unity
1: well uh, yeah and Hitler called it barren order, which means you know uh world order you know <laughs> so. Yeah. He was working for the same thing.
0: Justin, thanks so much for your call. Thank I really appreciate it. Thank uh 1-800-745-8255 is the number if you'd like to join uh, me here at uh, Timeless Voyager Radio, and certainly with my guest, Officer Jack McLam. Let's take a call. Kathy, Gainesville, Florida. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thank
3: you. Your question. Uh, I just wanted to say first that I'm so grateful for your in-depth thinking and your in-depth investigation. But something right in the beginning kind of bothered me. <clears throat> uh, the officer mentioned about the New World Order, and he mentioned Perot. Now, I didn't realize that parole was in accord with the New World Order.
1: Many people do, my dear. You're supposed to think he's an independent, you know, but if you do the research, as police officers are apt to do, because we need the facts, man, just the facts, you know, We do a lot of research and a lot of investigation, and you find out Perot earned all of his $4 billion from government and very much connected to Rockefeller and those uh, people in the positions of power, Uh, and he was the uh, job to do to be sure Clinton was elected this last time. He did a good job. So there's just much research done today to show that uh, Perot is anything but an independent.
3: I know, but uh, I mean, he's so much against George Bush.
1: Yes, well, he's always uh, he and George have never got Craig in
0: Burlington, Vermont.
1: A lot of animosity, which uh, a lot of us police officers do too, because uh, or Bush is also a globalist. But but they just uh, they've had some problems in their past together, and Perot would uh, would do just about anything to take Bush down as a personal matter. But
3: he uh, is in accord with the New
1: World Order. Yes, he certainly is. Oh, dear.
0: All right. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, bad news, I guess, for you. Uh, Craig, Burlington, Vermont. Welcome to the show, Craig.
3: Yes. Uh, real interested in, in what you're all talking about here tonight. And I'm you know, speaking to a, an officer of the law, or as my grandfather would call him, a peace officer. Amen. That's right. And here in Vermont, the officers have to take a... a an oath. It's a, a peace officer's oath, uh, and I guess it's a comment I, or the point that the peace officers today, or seem to, for their own protection, are you know, me is the populace, you know, and uh, I don't know how we can uh, turn that around. Uh, <laughs> That uh, you know, with what you, I I think I just heard that you had started a program with the uh, Sears, the uh, the good neighbor, the good police officer, uh, uh, and how we can go about uh, uh, turning this uh, the fear that's that's being created.
0: Good point, Craig. Uh, Your comment, Jack.
3: Well,
1: he's absolutely right. Uh, you know, there's so much to talk about, Bruce, and probably you've already talked about all these things, but the fear is created on purpose. Uh, a very good friend of mine, a uh, doctor with three PhDs, by the name of Dr. Stuart Crane, said it this way in America. He said, Fear and anarchy is always used when a small majority or minority want to come into power over the majority said the use of fear and anarchy to come into power power is as old as civilization itself. A successful an, an, uh, anarchy is always a police state. The last thing he said is if the type of government is decided by violence in the street, an autocratic, ruthless dictator is inevitable because the people will demand it. And we have today have all the research, uh, my friend, uh, stacks and stacks of books and, and research documents written by the left in the political spectrum, and also on the conservative side, the right side in the political spectrum, to prove 100% that the United States government and certain factions in it are the largest importers of drugs into the United States, of opium, uh, uh, heroin, and cocaine. Now, why would they do that? And I say we've got all the evidence to prove it, and we do. And if you want to write to us, we'll send you a lot of this that you can look it up yourself. Well, they're doing it because this is not a war on drugs, it's a war on the Bill of Rights. We cannot be merged into a world government as long as we're the only nation that has rights and not privileges. And so this Conference of the States coming up. It's to be sure we don't have rights anymore. They're going to give us privileges uh, that that way we can be merged with the rest of the nations of the world. The Bill of Rights is what the war on drugs is all about, all about to cause so much fear in the hearts of the American people that they would be willing like, uh, uh, who was the Attorney General under uh, Reagan? Uh, what was his name? Anyway, he made this statement that the American people, we believe, are now ready to give up some of their Bill of Rights so we can do something about the drug and crime problem. was? Well, I can't think of it right this
0: minute. Well, I'll tell you what, while you're thinking about it, Craig, thanks for your call. I really appreciate it.
3: Okay, and, uh, and, and let's, let's hope the country gets back to liberty and unity and gets off this law and order thing.
0: Thank you so much. The point that you're making is a very, very interesting one. That is basically that uh, you want to protect the people from the system.
1: Well, you know, as police officers, we took an oath to protect the people, and that means from criminals in the street, Bruce, and criminals in government, too. It makes no difference. If, if, if there are people uh, doing things unlawfully and immoral, the officer has a responsibility to uh, either not participate in that or to stop it. And it makes no difference if those people are in government doing these things or if they're doing it and they're criminals in the street.
0: Now your situation is basically that that uh, you are are medically retired, aren't you?
1: I'm now medically retired. That's correct.
0: Um, did you have to just finally give up uh, with with them? I mean, it seems like uh, no matter how you fought for freedom, uh, liberty, and justice, uh, it seems that they just literally beat you.
1: Well, it's con- it's uh, it's Bruce. Uh, They didn't win because we now have thousands upon thousands of police officers who have read their oath of office and have sworn a new oath to protect that oath, I mean, to to live up to that oath. And uh, our slogan is now we have thousands of police officers and soldiers that said they will not come against the American people, and our slogan is tyranny cannot come to the door of any American unless it comes in uniform is the police officers and soldiers will not commit treason against their own people. It, it just won't happen.
0: But this starts to sound a little treasonous in itself.
1: Well, you know, if we cannot live by our oath and defend the Constitution of the United States like we all swore to in public office and in, in those in uniform, then uh, I guess we're going to be as treasonous as George Washington and uh, Benjamin Franklin and uh, Thomas Jefferson, and those. You know, I was in a in a situation the other day in church, and I was speaking on this subject to a group in New Mexico, and one of the pastors got up and said, "I was preaching rebellion." Said, pastor, I'm talking to you. What George Washington and and uh, our founding fathers said. And I said, uh, the pastor didn't realize it, but during the civil uh, during the uh, the war for independence, it was the pastors. That turned their collars around, grabbed their muskets, and led their people into the street to fight against right. uh, an evil government.
0: Your feelings about uh, gun control?
1: Uh, the whole idea of bringing the drugs into the country and causing fear is to get uh, get control away from the people of the guns. I believe, like our founding fathers did. Uh, Uh, Thomas Jefferson said, No free man shall ever be debarred the use of arms, and the strongest reason for the people to retain their right to keep and bear arms is a a last resort to protect themselves against tyranny in government.
0: What about automatic weapons?
1: Uh, Automatic weapons, I believe that the Founding Fathers, through our studies from Sam Adams, Patrick Henry, James Madison, and all the Founding Fathers, spoke that the people should be allowed to have the same... Uh, hand weaponry as the military had and, and so that they could defend their nation uh, as the militia, which is all men between the ages of 17 and 45, against tyranny and government.
0: Do you and think people pretty- are as responsible now as they were then? No,
1: our leaders are not. You know, we uh, they want another constitutional convention, and it scares me to death, Bruce. caliber of men, the immoral Vigils we now have in leadership would, would uh, write us a new constitution. I think the people, I would side with the people much more than I would Bruce with these leaders we have today.
0: All right. Anything you'd like to say to our listeners before we uh, leave? We're really excited, Bruce. Our mail, I've got stacks and stacks of letters coming in every day from police
1: and soldiers. It's working. The, the officers are awakening to know that uh, they do need to uphold their oath. And if they do that, America can be safe. From what is planned and so i asked them let reach their our brothers and sisters in uniform in their neighborhoods across the nation
0: jack thank you very much for being on the show i really appreciate it
1: thank you bruce and keep up the good work you're sure doing a fine job and i'm just happy to know you're there